Good morning, everyone. My name is Travis, and I'm here to talk to you this morning and this afternoon, or actually this morning, <laughs> losing track of time here, but I'm here to talk to you about autism and mental health and all things autism and mental health related on this podcast. So today we're going to talk about today's podcast is called It's Not the First Step, It's the Last Step. And what this means is that when it comes to dating and relationships with autism, or anything in life for that matter, not just not just autism related, but when it comes to dating, okay, um, asking for consent to touch or to have sex is definitely not the first step. It is actually the last step in about a 787 step chain that goes from, hi, how are you? My name is Travis, to can I touch you? Um, and that's really important to know because for years, you know, like, let's back up here. So I'm 37 years old and I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome when I was 22 years old. And, you know, I, I really struggled with relationships. Um, and everyone's always told me that I've got great social skills and I'm actually, you know, I have impeccable social skills. Um, and that's frustrated me because I didn't feel like I had good social skills because I wasn't getting good results in dating and relationships. And lately, I've had this light bulb aha moment to where I've actually been learning about relationships and how to navigate them a little bit better. And I learned that I was doing approaching relationships entirely the wrong way. So we have to back up and talk about sex ed for autism and sexuality education. Um, this is very important because, you know, like I said, the title of this episode is it's not the first step, it's the last step. So I was going... So maybe we should actually title this episode. It's not the first, it's not the second step. It's the last step. So I would go up to people, to girls and say, hi, how are you? I'm Travis. Step one. And then step two for me was, can I touch your breast? Um, and obviously, you know, that wasn't working. Um, no girl was going to go for that. Um, and it just didn't happen. Um, and I would just sit here and think that girls would reject me and say that I was weird and creepy and different and scaring them. And I thought it was because of my autism. Um, and I thought it was because I, um, didn't have the social skills. So I thought because of the way girls were re reacting to me and my approach of skipping those steps and going straight to the last step as my step two, I basically interpreted that as the, that I had bad social skills. Um, and that was causing me, causing girls to think that I was weird and creepy and different and, and all these other things. Now, let's talk about, there was a combination of things going on. <coughs> Excuse me. But yeah, there was a combination of things going on um, that contributed to this um, issue. And one of those things is that I was skipping the steps because I just didn't realize, and we'll talk more about this in a second, but I tend to um, categorize things. I'm very black and white. So when I meet someone from the moment that I meet you and I say hi to you, I'm thinking, are you a friend or are you a girlfriend? Um, and so I'm categorizing you right away because I need to know how to interact with you. And for some reason, and we'll talk more about this later in the podcast, but for some reason that I thought, I've always thought that having a girlfriend was an entirely different kind of social relationship than having a friend. Um, so I would think of it as like, you know, it's like um, driving a car versus um, going for a walk. Two totally different things. Um, and so I would add this like different set of, my, I had this different mindset in my brain 
that caused me to um, interact with girls that I was attracted to and wanted to have as my girlfriend differently than girls or guys um, that I wasn't attracted to and just wanted to be friends with. Um, and what that did was it's kind of like not only is it like you're treating them different and you're interacting with them different, but it kind of like puts these girls that you're attracted to on this pedestal um, because you're interacting with them different and treating them like different people. And really, they're just friends and they're just people. And you need to interact with them like the rest of your friends do, like you do with the rest of your friends. And so that's important to know. And this, it all comes down to what I call the basics of sex education. Um, so what I've learned is my, my, my social issues actually are not social skills related at all, but they're, they're, they're context related, right? So they're, they're related to the fact that I didn't understand sexuality. And I thought that this sexual relationship was an entirely different um, relationship than a friendship. And so here I am trying to navigate these relationships. And when I like someone, when I'm attracted to someone, I'm like freaking out and thinking I have to treat them completely different and interact with them entirely different than what I do. Um, and that just wasn't working for me because it was uh, making girls think I was weird and creepy and scaring them and like pushing them away. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, 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 it, it's important to go to the basics of sex education. Because if, if someone with autism doesn't have the fundamental understanding of what a romantic relationship is and what a friendship is, we're going to have problems. And they're going to get into trouble. They're going to be asking things they shouldn't be asking. They're going to be doing things they shouldn't be doing. Um, and they're just going to get into sticky situations. Um, and it's going to be scary for not just them, but for the people that they're interacting with and people that they're scaring. Um, and so we really got to go back to the basics. Now, as I said, I was going through life here. I'm 37 years old. So for the past 15 years, I've been going through life getting told that I've got great social skills. But the problem was I was getting this neural, I was getting this feedback from women that told me I was creepy. And when I researched creepy and everything that creepy means, um, it was basically giving me the feedback that I had bad social skills. And that's why I was making a woman feel uncomfortable um and so yeah i just i really had to i really had to dig into this topic and dive into this on a more advanced level and unfortunately you know in, in the united states of america we do a not a great job of sex education in general um for the general population in schools but we really are neglecting the needs of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities when it comes to sex education and we're just for, we're doing the birds and bees of sexuality and unfortunately that's just not going to be um, beneficial in building relationships and navigating the difference between friendship and romantic relationship. Now, I want to talk about the fact that there are, it's a dual, dual-sided thing for me because in my opinion, there are similarities between friendship and there are differences between, similarities between friendships and relationships and there are differences between friendships and relationships, right? Um, the problem is, is it's not as different as I thought that it was. So here again, as I've mentioned earlier in a podcast, I'm sitting here thinking that this girl that I'm attracted to is like this completely different person. And I need to interact with her completely different than I do my friends. Um, and that's just not true. Now, I want to discuss a little bit of a challenge that we face for individuals that are higher functioning on the autism spectrum. Again, not again, because I haven't mentioned this yet, but let's just talk about functioning levels, okay? 
functioning levels are okay to talk about in my opinion because everyone functions at a different level whether you're autistic or not um, everyone's on the autism spectrum somewhere now i don't talk about functioning labels because i hate to label someone as high functioning or low functioning um all that really means is are you verbal or are you nonverbal? in my opinion um and so it doesn't really tell us a whole lot about the person because we know that there are some very um, high verbal learners that are low functioning and don't do well in life and then there are some very low verbal learners who are very high functioning and succeeding in life and so basically it just tells us is the person verbal or nonverbal, um and it doesn't really give us a lot to go on but for the guys that are higher verbal learners um i find that they're they're seeking out information about relationships and they're not getting it from their sources that they should be getting it from and this is causing them to seek out information from the internet on relationships and that's opening a can of worms guys because when you find information on the internet about relationships you don't know what you're gonna find um and for example for me one day in 2007 i remember as i was getting diagnosed with asperger's syndrome about the same time i was desiring to have romantic relationships and and so i googled the phrase how do i get a girlfriend and in googling that phrase i basically learned that um you can't be friends first because girls have a friends only zone so basically i learned from the get-go and here i am very black and white thinker and i'm categorizing things so I'm, I'm learning this and it says and i take things literally right so it says do not be friends first with a woman because she will put you in the friend only zone so what do i think crap I can't be friends with a girl because she's going to not be attracted to me because I'm friends with her. So again, you're starting this like spiral here. You're starting this chain reaction here to where a literal thinker, um, reads the fact that friend zone, do not be friends first. You will fall into the trap of being placed in the friend zone. And so someone with me with autism here, I am thinking crap, no friends do not be friends with a girl because she will not be attracted to you if you're her friend. Um, but again, you run in the problem with the internet guys is that you run into all these, the internet's a scary place for anyone, but the internet's an even scarier place for someone on the autism spectrum because you run into people who are there to make money. They're there simply to make money. They're not always there to help you and they're there to make your money, take money from you. Um, I've had that happen. And so they'll, they'll try and sell you this idea or this mindset and one of the things that you fall into as a guy with Asperger syndrome is you fall into the trap of getting into the pickup artist community because they are there when, when you're reaching out to services, you know, on the autism spectrum, you're reaching out for help with sexuality and understanding romantic relationships, and you're not getting it from your traditional sources where you're getting your other help from. So like, unfortunately, as a society, we're in the support system. DSPs are uncomfortable helping someone with autism navigate a romantic relationship and understand the nuances of sexuality. We're just uncomfortable doing that. And we don't do a good job of it, at it and services don't like to necessarily fund those type of relationship coaching or interactions. And, <coughs> and so then there we run the risk that an individual with autism will end up on the internet and find the pickup artist community. A man with autism will find the PUA community, the pickup artist community, and um, basically fall into that trap. Um, and pickup artists are really, it's a friendly community to autistic people, especially the higher functioning level, high verbal guys, because um, there are rules galore in the pickup community. 
they will give you a list of rules on how to interact with a woman. So much so that you will come off like a robot in your interactions with women. Um, and you know, like it's just, it, it, it's just, it's not a healthy, it's not a healthy environment to be in. It's not a healthy way to interact with women. And it's not healthy for your relationships with anyone to get into the pickup artist mindset because once it becomes a numbers game and it's just about like closing, they call it closing in the pickup artist community. And once it's about closing, it's not about her anymore. It's not about the girl anymore. It's just about closing and getting the result that you want. Um, it's not about getting to know her and it's not about her at all. And so it becomes very now don't get me wrong there are some guys that do succeed with the pickup artist mindset because of their personalities and who they are and, and and there are some i think there are some appealing aspects of being the bad boy or being the you know being the overly confident alpha male that um women are find attractive um and that's fine and but it's not for everyone um and someone with asperger syndrome who takes things very literally is going to get very confused by the pickup artist community because, um, for example, I'll give you an example of something that happened to me. Um, there's a thing in the pickup artist community called nagging or negging, sorry, negging. Basically that is where you neg a girl, you give her a negative compliment basically. Um, and tell her something about her that you don't like, because then that makes her want to qualify herself to you and prove to you that she's worthy of being liked. Um, and there's some merits to that, like that, that, that dating is kind of like a game a little bit. Um, people want to, people like a challenge a little bit, um, in some cases, but not always. Um, and so, um, the problem with that being very literal and being very black and white on the autism spectrum. So I basically, um, nagging to me meant, um, like to, to the average person, nagging is like giving her, telling her something like her nose. I love the way her nose wiggles when she laughs. Like that's what a neurotypical guy would do when nagging, nagging someone. Um, now the issue with autism for me was that I don't have any middle ground. So I'm either going to tell a girl, hey, I think you're really pretty and really hot and I want to get to know you. Or to me, nagging the opposite of telling her she's really pretty was walking up to her and saying, hey, I, I don't think you're pretty or I think you're ugly. And, you know, I, I like I would be joking with her, of course, but I'd be walking up to her and telling her I think she's ugly because I'm taking it literally. I'm nagging her um, and take, telling her she's ugly because that's what the pickup artist told me to do. Um, and so the problem with that is that's obviously um, not something you want to do. And um, that's taking it to the extreme the black and white, the extreme. And so um, when I was doing that, I was getting into situations where girls didn't think that I was, I mean, they thought that I was weird and creepy, but they also thought that I was just a straight up jerk. Um, and you don't want to be a jerk. You want to be a bad boy, a good guy with a couple of bad boy characteristics I've heard. Um, and so, um, you know, you want to be unpredictable. You want to be a challenge, but you don't want to be mean to them. Like, and that's great to learn because that's just not who I am. I'm not a mean person. I can't act that way. So like if I was to do pickup artist stuff and I have done in the past because I wanted to get a girlfriend and they were there to help me when my services weren't. Um, but, um, when I was doing pickup artist stuff, like I was putting on a front and I was basically acting like someone I was not. And not only is that bad because it doesn't allow people to get to know you, but a woman can see right through that and she can tell you're not a pickup artist and she can tell you're just trying to 
learn how to get in, you know, get with her, get with her and stuff like that. And so, um, thankfully I've actually found some better support services that are not pickup artist related from my autism services. Like I am the first person to tell you, I have been very critical of my autism services because I didn't feel like they were addressing my needs of sexuality and puberty and social and romantic relationships. Um, and so I'm the most critical critic that there was of autism services. But in the past few months, I've actually started to get some good services. Um, so I will give credit where credit is due. Um, we're actually discussing and diving into sexuality and how to talk to people and how to make friends and how to how to differentiate between friendship and relationship and how to, um, you know, the similarities between friendships and relationships and stuff like that. And that's really, really important to me um, because it's a passion of mine and a goal of mine to get a girlfriend. Like I want to get to know someone for who she is and get to know her. So now we're going to go back and we're going to talk about this title of this podcast. It's not step two. It's the last step and a 787 step chain that goes from my, how are you? To can I touch you? Um, and so long story short, because I needed to categorize right away and tell someone that I was attracted to them right away. Firstly, for me, to tell someone I was attracted to them meant that I had to tell them I wanted to be physical with them. So I wanted to touch them. Um, that's how I learned how to tell someone I was attracted to them. Now, neurotypical people have this mind. The way the neurotypical brain works is that you tell someone you're attracted to them by nonchalantly doing it. So you don't come up and say, hey, I think you're really hot. And I want to touch you. Um, you you actually, um, you just have conversation. You ask them questions about themselves. You, you might joke a little bit. You might flirt a little bit. But like, I would always think, and what I was learning, what I had learned, my understanding of sexuality and puberty and dating and relationships was that um, if you wanted to flirt, you had to be sexual. So flirting to me equaled sexual comment. Um, and to neurotypicals, flirting does not equal, does not always equal sexual comment. It can equal sexual comment, but it does not always equal sexual comment. So there are many windows in dating and relationships. And you can make a comment, say something like, oh, I love the way you laugh when I tell a joke, for example. Um, that's kind of like flirting, but um, it's not sexual. But when you generalize and apply it, so we're talking generalize and applying in that comment here. So... You can tell a joke and you can be flirting and you can smile and you're not, your body language is nonverbal and you're, you're communicating that you're demonstrating interest. Um, you're communicating interest in a person. Um, and it's not sexual, but it is sexual because there's this innuendo, there's this hidden, hidden communication that's going on. It's nonverbal. Um, and, and that's what communicates sexual interest, I think, is this nonverbal communication and the way you're interacting with someone. Um, for some reason, it's bad to say, Hey, I like you and I want to have sex with you. Um, and, and like as the autistic person here, like I would actually prefer someone to come up to me and say that because I don't like the nonverbal stuff. Um, and so I would, I would rather we get to be, you know, very verbal about things and come up and say, Hey, I like you. I want to date you. I like you. I want to touch you. I like you. I want to have sex with you. I like you. I want you to spend the night with me. Um, I would rather be able to verbally come out and say all that stuff. But that's not how the neurotypical brain works. And that's not how neurotypicals operate. Um, and so you have to communicate that interest without actually verbally communicating that interest. 
Now that's a challenge for someone on the autism spectrum. Um, and I think that um, as we continue to see, you know, things progress in the autism community and with the behavior analysis field, um, we're going to see more interest in sexuality and puberty and relationships. And that's going to be very helpful. Um, we're going to be able to actually start to understand what's going on with dating and relationships and friendships and things like that. Because, And I also think more people with autism are going to start speaking out. Um, there's a wide spectrum of people on the autism spectrum. And some people have challenges with, with relationships and some don't. Um, what I'm finding is the people that are higher more like Asperger's syndrome diagnosis tend to have more of the complications with the relationships. Now, I don't know why that is. I have some theories, but I don't know hundred percent why that is, but I would guess because it's harder for us to find partners who are more like us. So we fall in the middle. We actually, we're very black and white thinkers, which is, but we fall in the gray area of life because there are people that are lower functioning than us and there are neurotypical people. And then there's us, we're in the middle. So we're in the middle of the spectrum. Now, um, let's talk about friendships and relationships. So we know that autism is a spectrum and, um, autism is a wide spectrum. I think of the spectrum as this math line segment that we had in math class where there was an arrow on each end and we plotted numbers on the line. Um, and so I, um, yeah, I just, um, I think that, um, it's important to um, understand that not only is autism a spectrum, but there's this, I think of everything in spectrum. So everything to do with my life is a spectrum. So I've got the autism spectrum, then I've got a friendship spectrum. I've, I think of a relationship spectrum. I think of a social thinking spectrum. I think of everything in spectrums. Now, the problem is where I was going wrong in my life for the past 25 years is that I thought these spectrums were different. Now, I will say the social thinking spectrum for me can be a different spectrum. It is a different spectrum, but the friendship and dating and relationship spectrum isn't different. They're not different spectrums. Um, in fact, they're a part of the same spectrum. But um, when you look at the line segment here on the left side, you will find friendship. It starts with acquaintance and then builds to friendship, and then builds to dating, and then builds to relationship, then builds to marriage. Um, and the problem is there's not a difference. I was thinking there was a different spectrum for relationship and marriage and dating, and there's not. It's the same spectrum. But what you're doing is you're just moving further to the right as you get to know someone. So as you become acquaintances, you're on the left side. As you become friends, you move to the right a little bit. As you start dating, you move to the right a little bit more. As you start to get into a relationship and ask her to be your girlfriend, you move to the right a little bit more. Then you move to the right and then you get married and ask her to marry you. So you keep climbing this friendship and dating spectrum and relationship spectrum until you get married. Um, and then, you know, even when you get married, you're still getting to know each other. You're still dating each other. You're still climbing that spectrum, right? So that's very important. Um, yeah. And then, um, so yeah, I think... Um, problem I was having is I wanted to differentiate from the beginning. So as soon as I was an acquaintance with someone, I was trying to make this decision if I wanted to go to the friendship spectrum or if I wanted to switch over to the dating spectrum. Um, and that wasn't working because once I started, it didn't work because of my mindset, right? So because I felt that the 
only way you could show romantic interest was by being sexual. Once I switched over to that dating spectrum, and once I started showing romantic interest, um, that's when I, I lost my chance of getting to know someone because I wasn't farther enough along on the friendship spectrum and the dating spectrum, all this, the same spectrum here. I wasn't far enough along to be able to communicate sexual interest. Um, but because I thought that I wanted her to be my girlfriend and my basic understanding of sexuality was like, if you want someone to be your girlfriend, you have to be sexual with them, um, communicate sexual interest. Um, I started switching over to that sexual spectrum and that dating spectrum. And I left this friendship spectrum behind. And that meant that uh, because I'm very black and white again, right? So here again, I start communicating sexual interest. And I think, well, once you switch over to the dating and relationship spectrum, you know, um, it's got to be, everything's got to be sexual. So here I was, hi, how are you? I'm Travis, step one. And then step two through step 787 was all sexual. Um, and the problem with that is it's actually backwards because I feel like what I'm learning now is that step one all the way to step 786 needs to be non-sexual because you're just getting to know someone and it takes a long time to get comfortable with someone before you can have conversations about sexuality and sex. Um, And so I would think that, you know, step two through step 787 was sexual. But in reality, step one through step 787, sorry, step step two to step 786 is non-sexual. And then step 787, the last step in the chain can be sexual because that's where you're communicating the sexual interest. You want to be your girlfriend. You want her to be your girlfriend. So you ask her out, you tell her you're sexually into her. Um, and, and so, but the problem is I was shooting myself in the foot, right? Because here I was, you know, I like this person. I want to get to know them, but because of my mindset, my belief system, thinking that the only way you could get a girlfriend was communicating sexual interest everything I was doing was sexual. So after I argue, I'm Travis, every single step of the way was sexual communication for me. Um, and it should have been non-sexual communication because that's how you get to know someone. Um, and when you're just talking about sex over and over again, you know, like you're not, you're not really getting to know someone. You're just like, and she's going to think you're using her for sex. Like you're just, or she's going to think you're a creep or you're a freak. Um, and so I was actually labeled hypersexual quite a bit because you know, here I was, step two through step 786, like that's a lot of sexuality there. That's a lot of sexual steps. Um, and so obviously people were gonna think I was hypersexual because I was talking about sex all day long, every single day, because I believed that that was how you got a girlfriend. Um, and the other thing that would happen to me is that what I learned was, you know, um, I basically learned that you can do that and that's fine to do. You can have step two through step 786 can be sexual. Um, but girls will allow that occasionally if you pay them. And long story short, I found a lot of girls who would let me talk sexually to them if I was giving them money. Um, so here I was, you know, like trying to get to know people. I, I was like giving these girls money and like talking sexually to them um, because that was what gave me permission to talk sexually to them. But see, again, it's this big spiral chain that's just out of control because I believed I was giving girls money to be my girlfriend and get to know me because that's how I believed you got to know someone. Um, And I would tell people that, you know, hey, here I am. 
I, I girls are charging me money to be their to date them or to be their girlfriend for them to be my girlfriend um and people wouldn't believe me they'd be like well why would they be charging you money just to go on a date with you or be your girlfriend um and i'd get frustrated because no one would believe me and my services my support staff wouldn't believe me my you know my family didn't believe me they didn't understand what was going on um and again this is why the conversations around sexuality and puberty are very important what was going on is i I was over here on this completely different spectrum that i'd made up this dating and relationship spectrum and i was trying to date and have these sexual communications um that weren't merited because i didn't have the connection non-sexually with someone to be able to start connecting with them sexually and so here i am i'm communicating sexual interest but i'm doing it too soon and so girls are charging me money for it because i'm doing it too soon um and um and people didn't understand but i think it's because i think they didn't realize that i was thinking differently they didn't understand that i had a different mindset about dating and relationships right so they thought that i was just being friends with girls and trying to get to know them normally asking them questions like hey how's your day going you know where did you grow up uh what's your favorite food um what's the best meal you've ever had um you know what do you have any siblings or brothers and sisters but i wasn't doing that because i i didn't think you could do that i didn't think you were allowed to do that if you wanted to date someone because i had never seen results in my past when i was a child i would do that with girls um, when i was a teenager i would do that with girls but it never went anywhere sexually but i'm learning and that's because i didn't give it i'm not a very patient man um and i didn't give the relationship the, the time it deserved to be able to develop sexually um and so um but because i never saw any positive um sexual interest from a girl by just not talking non-sexually with her i developed this mindset that you had to talk sexually and a part of that was from my google searching and my internet searching reading about pickup artists and stuff like that but part of it was just not having the sexual knowledge and understanding what i call sexual thinking so with autism and with social skills in general we know that there's michelle garcia winner social thinking but i also think that if there's so let's back up with aba there is um you know like peter garrett one of my heroes in the autism community and behavior analyst says that sexual behavior is social behavior that's all it is so um but in my opinion if there is sexual behavior is social behavior then there's this got to be this thing called sexual thinking that goes with social thinking and sexual thinking is social thinking um and my sexual thinking was flawed right so i thought you had to actually be sexual and talk about sex to get to know someone and build a relationship with them um and that's not it at all and so you have to be able to generalize and apply that you can actually have a non-sexual conversation and communicate sexual interest with someone and that's hard for someone with autism like me to understand and and navigate that 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 that, that social sexual thinking um and so yeah i was basically doing all these things and having you know relationship nightmares because i didn't have the basic sexuality understanding that i needed to have um and it wasn't that i had poor social skills it's never been that i've had poor social skills i can talk to anyone i have impeccable social skills and i really believe that now um when i don't need to categorize from the beginning when i don't 
So when I've always been really good at talking to people that I was not romantically attracted to, I can have a conversation with anyone. For some reason, when I was romantically attracted to someone, I failed miserably. And that's two reasons. One was the the fact that I needed to categorize from the beginning and I started interacting with them sexually from the beginning so I could communicate that I liked them. That was a problem, number one. Number two, the anxiety with autism. You know, people with autism have a lot of comorbid anxiety, right? So the anxiety with autism really came into play and really started to make me, not only was I skipping, I made, maybe I could have used to have made it to like step 10 without being sexual. But when the anxiety came into play, it really magnified things for me. And I only made it to step two with being sexual. So yeah, you will, a lot of people know me. Unfortunately, I have a history of sending out messages on, on dating sites, on Facebook saying my message would be like something like, hi, how are you? I'm Travis. Can we go on a date? Hi, how are you? I'm Travis. Can I touch your breasts? Like I would actually send messages like that guys because I didn't know any better. Um, and I thought that's how you communicated your romantic interest. Um, and so even like within the ABA field, like I would meet a, I really have this thing. Like I, I would really like to date. I'd like to date a behavior analyst because I love ABA. Um, and so I started meeting behavior analysts online on Facebook and I would actually send them sexual questions. Like, how are you? I'm Travis. I really like you. Can I touch you? Um, and I developed this reputation and that's what we don't want. So we want the reason why we want to provide a good quality sexuality education is because we want people to be safe. Not only do we want girls to be safe from interactions with these men who are uneducated sexually like me, but we want people with autism to be safe as well. And people with IDD to be safe in their interactions. So that is one of the reasons why we really want to push sexuality education and social skills training for individuals with ASD. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, I think it's just a matter of, um, we need to raise awareness and acceptance of this issue. Um, but yeah, so I have unfortunately sent out a lot of messages to girls that were inappropriate, completely disrespectful, degrading, um, all of the above, not because I was trying to be a jerk, but because that's how I knew how to interact with them and knew what I how to communicate sexual interest and romantic interest. Um, so I would personally like to reach out. I want to apologize to girls across the world who I have offended by being overly sexual with them too soon and not connecting with them emotionally before being sexual with them. Um, and I especially want to apologize to the BCBAs and behavior analysts and RBTs who I have sent messages to, you know, who were inappropriate messages and disrespectful and, and things like that. Um, it's actually very relieving for me to understand that I can have a conversation with someone and I can communicate interest in them without being sexual. Um, because it just, it's, it's so much more relaxing. It's so much more freeing. Um, and it's so much more, um, respectful and it's, it's just a, it's just a better way of living when you can flirt without being overly creepily sexual. Um, so that's really important. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that we need to continue to, um, I think ABA comes into play here, guys. I really do. Um, I think we need to start chaining things and I think we need to start even backward chaining some of these steps because I'm very black and white. So I went from hi, how are you to can I touch your breast? And for me, starting at the beginning, like it was kind of boring. So going starting in step one to step 10, going from step two to step 10 is boring to me because I already know the steps two to step 10. 
I just didn't know I could use them because I thought you had to switch over to a completely different social context and interact with her completely differently and not use the steps that you use for friendship. And reality is I could actually use the steps for friendship to build a relationship. And that's freeing, very comforting to know. Um, but for me, I was talking a little bit about chaining. I want to talk about backward chaining because for me, I want to start with the steps that I don't know. Um, so I'd like to start at the top and go backwards from, hey, can I touch you to, how are you? I'm Travis. So I want to start at the top and go backwards. Um, so I want to start at the right side of the spectrum and go backwards to the left side of the spectrum. So it's almost like, um, so I, you ever heard the phrase, you, I, some people with autism and Asperger, Asperger syndrome in particularly have often been told, oh, you're so high functioning. Why don't you just da, 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 da. Um, you're so high functioning. Why don't you just get a job? You're so high functioning. Why don't you just date? You're so high functioning. Why don't you just make friends? Um, and so if that's the case, why are we starting at the bottom or the left side of the spectrum and forward chaining? Wouldn't it make sense to start at the right side of the spectrum and kind of backward chain? Um, let, let's start at the, start with the higher functioning skills and see where we're at and see where this person is and do a, let's do an FBA. Let's do a, let's do a functional behavior assessment and see where they're at. Okay. And then let's, um, you know, let's work backwards to see where we need to go. So see where we need to start. You might not necessarily be able to start at step 787, but chances are with someone with Asperger's syndrome, you could probably start at step 500 and build from there. Um, so let's not always start at the beginning because two things are going to happen. One, you're going to lose interest in the individual with autism because they're going to get bored because they're going to feel like we know those steps and you're just driving stuff into our head that we already know, um, which is fine. But um, it's not productive and it's not being proactively social. It's being reactive. So, um, yeah, let's start at the top. Let's work our way back, see where we need to start. But backward chain, so I call it backward chain to forward chain. So we're going to start at the top. We're going to start backward chaining. We're going to find out what skill set we're at. We're, we're, use our FBA to find out where we're at socially and sexually. Um, and then we're going to start forward chaining once we know where we're at. So that's really important to me um, is to communicate that sometimes I think we need to think outside the box and backward chain to start helping someone understand social relationships and romantic relationships. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like my... my my spiel for today. That's my presentation. That's my talk. Um, and you know, I, I think I'm a big advocate of sexuality education. So, um, you know, you guys, whatever you do, you guys are the chosen ones. So you guys go out there and advocate for autistic people. And I think part of what we're advocating for needs to be comprehensive sexuality education and relationships education. So yeah. So thank you for tuning into this podcast today. And, uh, you know, I hope you learned something by listening to me ramble for a few minutes and um we'll see you next time on the podcast thanks a lot bye-bye hi everyone so i'm travis and uh it was appropriate for me today um i just have felt this need from my heart to come speak to you guys today um about my experience with uh sexual behavior and autism spectrum disorder uh, this podcast is going to be about taking ownership of some things from the past um, and really working hard to improve my behavior 
so I have more appropriate sexual behaviors. So I'm wanting to take ownership of my inappropriate sexual behaviors as an autistic person and replace those behaviors with more appropriate and respectful sexual behaviors toward women. I am a straight heterosexual male, so all my sexual behavior has been geared towards women. Um, and, you know, there's just a lot of inappropriate things that have happened over the years. Um, and a lot of it has to do with my lack of understanding of appropriate sexual behaviors. And I want to tell my story and share my journey and apologize to women around the world for my behavior toward them because um, it was disrespectful and inappropriate. And um, I'm learning how to really control that now and really replace that with more appropriate social and sexual behaviors. So if you're a BCBA or you're an RBT, you're learning you know, sexual behavior is actually social behavior. So if I mention the word sexual behavior, just think of social behavior. Um, but yeah, so what had happened to me was, I, let's, first of all, my story is I'm 37 years old and I wasn't diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome until the age of 22. And that kind of gave me an answer as to why life was challenging and why it was the way that it was. But um, it didn't really help um, satisfy my need for romantic relationships or learning how to have positive social and romantic relationships with women, um, which was the reason why I got diagnosed in the first place was because I had struggled with talking to girls and was told by girls that I was creepy and weird and all the above. And so I went to counseling to find out what was going on. And eventually it was, it led to me being diagnosed with, you know, Asperger's syndrome, you know, obviously a form of autism, which is now in the DSM-5 is autism level one. Um, so there's three levels of autism now, and uh, that's for a different podcast, but, um, We'll just talk about autism level one today because that's what I have. Um, so yes, it's important to know that I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome at age 22. So I had a uh, little um, intervention, if any, um, and I didn't really have any sexual education at all. I was mainstreamed all the way. So I got the sex ed and health class that all neurotypical kids get basically saying, you know, use a condom, let sex makes babies, let's prevent yourself from getting STDs and all the above. As you know, uh, for an autistic individual, that's probably not good enough sexual education. Um, and so long story short, um, this was 2011 now, and I was 26 years old and I had made some connections in the ABA world because I really wanted to get ABA therapy because I thought it would help me with autism. And I think it can and does help me with autism. Um, but I made some connections and I met the Sunbergs out of Indianapolis, Indiana, Carl Fisher's Indiana, Carl and Devin Sunberg. I met them. And they were really nice and really helpful. They're really great um, at what they do. And I, I just have a lot of respect for them within the autism community because they've helped a lot of people. Um, but they're just really good individuals too and good humans. Um, and so I really made a connection with them. And they had obviously a center called the Behavior Analysis Center for Autism in Fishers, Indiana. And they actually did some contract work with Peter Gerhardt, who's well known within the uh, behavior analysis field and science of behavior analysis um, for working with adults and working on sexual behaviors. Um, so I attended this presentation in Fishers, Indiana on a Saturday, and I think it was July or March. I can't remember the two, one of the two, it was around the spring or summer of 2011. And I saw this presentation and I saw this man, Peter Gerhardt present. Now I had heard of him because I had been studying sexual behavior for quite a while and like trying to learn about it, but, um, I didn't know much about him, but I heard him present and everyone listening to this. If you're listening to this as a behavior analyst, you're going to know Peter Gerhardt. If you're listening to this as just an average listener or a parent of a child with autism, you should probably study Peter Gerhardt because I think it would be really beneficial for you and your child. Um, 
but and that's not necessarily a plug for Peter. I just uh, I just think that it's a, a really valuable subject that you can learn about um, sexuality and sexual behavior. And he just happens to be one of the leaders in the field of behavior analysis and sexual behavior. So I, I attended this presentation in Fishers, Indiana, and I am watching Peter Garrett present. And he gets to this spot in the presentation. I, first of all, everything he's saying, I'm relating to. Um, and everything he's talking about is my life. He's telling my life story, basically, as I'm listening to him talk. But one of my, one of the key points of the presentation for me was when he started talking about this kid named John who walks up to girls and says, Hi, my name is John. Can I touch your breast? Hi, my name is John. Can I touch your vagina? Hi, my name is John. Can I touch your feet? And all of the above, as Peter tells the story. I'm quoting him word for word here. So this is not my language. This is not my words. This is, I want to be clear, these are Peter Gerhardt's words. Um, and, and, you know, I'm guessing he's got these experiences based off of working with a few individuals who do that on the autism spectrum. And so, um, yeah, so I'm learning this and I'm, I'm literally picturing this and this is me. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is kind of what I do. Now, I don't do that to the extent to where I'm always saying, can I touch your whatever? Because I'm like, I, I know that that has consequences and I know that that's disrespectful and inappropriate. But I do skip a lot of steps and I do say some inappropriate comments toward a woman when trying to get to know them. So, long story short, as I'm doing, as I'm watching this presentation, that's what I hear. So keep in mind that this presentation by Peter Gerhardt is the entire basis, <coughs> the entire basis and foundation of my sexuality education. So this entire presentation by Peter Gerhardt is the sexuality education that I've had. So just watching his presentation, that's my sex ed. Um, and so, yeah, as I'm sitting there, I'm learning about this and he's talking about, now obviously he's explaining what kids with autism or what an adult with autism is doing. And this is like supposed to be like what not to do. Um, and so, but the problem with that is I didn't know, I was learning what, not, I was learning this and I just didn't know, like I realized he was saying what not to do, but I didn't know what else to do. So I didn't have any replacements for that behavior. So I learned, so I, what do I do? I'm very black and white. And this is like a, a nice little foundation. He says, step one is hi, I'm Travis. Can I touch your whatever? Step 787 is, can I touch your whatever? So, um, you know, he's, he's explaining this and I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do, obviously, because I'm very literal. So like, and I believe in honesty. So I'm telling girls, I think, uh, well, telling girls you want to touch them seems like a good idea because you're being honest with them and like asking for consent and you're being honest about it. So it seems like a good idea. Um, so I start doing that and I start, um, I don't necessarily do it in person, but like in the past I started sending out like literally I've probably messaged probably thousands of girls about touching them. Um, which is very sad to say now that I'm clear headed and mentally keep in mind that I also struggled with mental illness. I had like schizoaffective disorder. So some of my judgments and thoughts were probably a little clouded along the way. But yeah, so I'm messaging girls, thousands of girls around the country saying, can I touch you? Hi, I'm Travis. Can I touch your breast? Hi, I'm Travis. Can I touch your whatever? Um, I'm asking girls for pictures on Facebook. I'm, even behavior analysts, like I'm sitting, because for some reason I, I've always wanted to date a behavior analyst um, because I'm fascinated by their knowledge of social behavior and how they teach people about autism or teach people how to learn social skills and things like that. Um, so I've always wanted to date a BCBA. And so I would actually message BCBAs and ask them if I could touch them or if I could, uh, if they wanted to like show me some pictures or, or things like that. Um, and so, yeah, as I'm doing that, um, I, 
you know, obviously I'm getting a reputation. Um, and people are thinking, oh, this guy's creepy, this guy's weird. And that's true. I was creepy and weird. Um, but I didn't know any better. And I was doing what I was taught to do by my interpretation of what I was taught to do by Peter Gart. The problem is, is I was watching this presentation and interpreting this as an autistic person. But I didn't have any support staff that was able to watch this presentation or analyze it with me and go through it and help me understand, you know, socially think is what I call it, um, or sexually think, because I, I think if we're going to use the term social thinking, if sexual behavior is social behavior, then there's got to be sexual thinking is social thinking. So there's got to be a term called sexual thinking. So and basically to me, that means like, how do you flirt? How do you connect with people? And how do you romantically connect with people? And things like that would be what I would consider sexual thinking. Um, and so, yeah, but basically I was left to watch this presentation and interpret it on my own and then go and try and apply it to my life. And I did a piss poor job of that. Let me tell you, I did a piss poor job of that. Um, so I started asking girls to touch them and, you know, I, I'm getting all these negative responses, which, you know, is expected. Uh, it's obviously that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, so I am basically doing all these inappropriate things and, you know, I, I'll never forget when I started to, I had this one girl one time, well, this all started when at a bar, this new learned behavior that I'm going to talk about started at a bar when a girl said, you know, I'll dance with you. I was asking a girl to dance and a girl said, I'll dance with you if you buy me a drink. Um, so I started buying girls drinks to get them to do whatever I wanted with them. Um, and so as I'm buying them drinks, they start dancing with me occasionally. Sometimes they would take the drink and not dance with me. Um, so yeah, I, I got burned a couple times. Um, but then it just started esca escalating, right? So I'm asking to dance. They're offering to dance if I buy them a drink. Um, when I'm asking or wanting to touch their breasts, I started getting responses like, well, if you buy me breast implants, you can touch my breasts. Or if you take me shopping, you can touch whatever you want to um, and things like that. And, you know, again, this is all completely inappropriate. And I was basically, but the problem is, is I started learning that like, well, if you want to touch, girls provide that reinforcement of letting you touch if you pay them or buy them something. Um, and so that was an automatic reinforcer for me um, to get access touch was to buy them something. Um, so I learned that money reinforces touch. Um, and that's a bad learned behavior. Um, and so basically what that caused me to do was I not only like had that happen to me where girls would come up to me and say, if you do this, I'll do this for you. Um, so, um, but then I also just started, I learned like it just became an automatic reinforcer. So I knew it was going to work. Um, and so I started to just offer it in my first message. So I'd be like, Hey, how are you? I'm Travis. Um, would you let me touch you if I give you $200? Um, and I started doing that and I'd send thousands and thousands and thousands of messages out to people trying to get them to let me touch them um, and offering money. So I was basically starting to solicitate women for um, romantic interactions, sexual interactions. Um, and now looking back at it, it's like, oh my gosh, why was I doing that? Because I've kind of started to learn more appropriate ways to approach that um, and have more appropriate healthy relationships that involve non-business transactions. Um, let me explain a couple things here. Um, so one, the idea of a relationship being a business transaction is going to be very appealing for most individuals with autism, especially Asperger's syndrome type, um, the higher functioning level one autism, because we are a fundamentally black and white group and we love social rules that are written out for us. And in a business transaction, 
you are allowed to actually you discuss your expectations you know what each other are expecting so she's expecting money and you know she knew that i was expecting to cuddle or to touch um and so these these rules and these the defined rule roles of each person are written out for us um and someone with Asperger's like me is going to function so much better in a social relationship or in a romantic relationship where there are rules written out um, and things like that. Um, the problem is, is, is like, I didn't actually desire a business relationship, but I desired a personal healthy relationship, but I didn't know how to get that. I didn't know how to access that. Um, and so I was willing to settle for the business relationship because in the business relationship, she would allow me to have access to some things that I could have in a real healthy relationship. Um, but, um, it was easier for me to navigate because it was business related and not, not non-business related. So non-business relationships are very difficult and very challenging for me because there's no written rules of what's expected or what's supposed to happen. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that, um, it's challenging um, but basically, I started soliciting all these women, thousands of women, probably tens of thousands of women throughout my lifetime on Facebook, on dating sites, and things like that. And I've actually been, I've actually had, um, you know, instances where I had dating profiles like expelled or like suspended by the site, like by eHarmony, because I was sending out messages, including money. So I was soliciting and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, it was causing me a lot of trouble. My sexual behavior, while I've never had any problems with the law, um, I have had some very seriously inappropriate and borderline illegal sexual behaviors because of my lack of sexual knowledge. Um, and so, you know, one of the reasons why I, sh I share my story for a few reasons. One, I want to apologize and take ownership of my behavior and, um, try and do better and, um, be more appropriate sexually towards women. Um, but two, I think it's important to share my story because I think we need to know that how the autistic brain might think and what happens when we leave someone alone in their journey, their sexual journey without educating them. Um, and also <clears throat> the other reason I share my story is for BCBAs and RBTs, because I want you guys to know that context, 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 social context, context is king, Peter Garra says. And so when I heard Peter tell the story of the guy going, hi, I'm Travis, can I touch your breast? Um, you know, that, that, that I, I needed some context to that. Um, and I didn't have anyone to talk about that co social context with me. And so I was left interpreting my, to generalize. Basically, I was left to generalize and apply what Peter was saying, going from step one to step 787 on my own. Um, and I didn't have any support services that were diving into that issue with me. Um, and so, yeah, it caused me to be very inappropriate towards women and disrespectful towards women, which wasn't my intentions at all. But um, unfortunately, it was a consequence of not having sexual knowledge that I needed to navigate romantic relationships. Um, and that is why I think, um, you know, it's very important that we work on sex education and are advocates for sexuality education because it'll leave, if without it, it leaves people like me vulnerable to being predators. Um, and it leaves girls vulnerable to being, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Predated against or like um, vulnerable to being um, harassed, so to speak, sexually by a guy who just doesn't know the boundaries and know how to connect with someone before you start having sexual behaviors with that person. Um, and so, yeah, it's very, it's very, um, I think it's very important that we have these conversations and that's why I'm sharing my story. So long story short, you know, I, here I am 
thinking I'm doing, thinking I'm trying to get a girlfriend, and girls are just thinking that I'm a this this animal or this bad person. Um, and here I am thinking, you know, I'm trying to get a girlfriend, and I'm thinking that you know asking for sex is how you get a girlfriend, um, or asking for consent is how you get a girlfriend. So there are two things that I knew really well. Um, I had known body part ID very well, so I knew all every I knew all the girls' body parts. All the women's body parts. And this is Peter telling the story too. Um, this is what he talks about in his presentation. So people with autism often have good body part ID because we do a good job of that in sex ed. And then people with autism also know that they need to ask for consent before they touch a woman because we teach that because we know that that's important. The problem is asking for consent. As Peter says, I'm quoting Peter Gerhardt here. Asking for consent is the last step and about a 787-step chain that goes from, hi, how are you? I'm Travis, all the way to, can I touch your breast? Um, the problem with that is there's 787, 786 steps in between that. And so um, it becomes very uh, important then to, you know, for us to be educated on that topic and um, continue to grow and learn as we older that we have to have these different steps in place in order to navigate that to where we can ask for permission or ask for consent um so that's very important for us to know um i think looking back a turning point for me was when i started learning about social conversation um so i'm very black and white and i categorize things and so like i've mentioned in other podcasts my previous podcast i always have needed to um to um basically determine if someone was my girlfriend or a friend from the moment I meet them. And that's hard to do because it takes time to develop a relationship. Um, and so, you know, you'll have to listen to my other podcast to learn more about this. But um, basically, long story short, is I tend to label someone as a girlfriend or a friend right from the beginning of when I first meet them. Um, so I'm, hi, how are you? I'm Travis. Will you be my girlfriend or will you be my friend is the question that I would ask. And I would literally ask that question right away because um, I'm needing to label it. Um, the challenge of that is that it's not always black and white like that. Social relationships are very gray and so it takes a lot of time to develop a relationship and uh, people that, neurotypical people that have lots of friendships and rela social relationships are not going to be looking to label you as an acquaintance or a, a friend or a girlfriend or a boyfriend when they first meet you. So that's very important to understand. Um, so it takes patience, and that's something that someone with autism like me, for example, myself, often struggles with is patience. Um, and so I think that, you know, it's just important to continue to grow and to learn. But I wasn't, but we have to have some kind of sexuality education. I keep driving this home because it's very important. If we don't have sex ed, then what are we doing? Because we're leaving someone vulnerable to everyone vulnerable. Society's vulnerable to us, and we're vulnerable to society in that situation because we just don't have the right sexuality education to make the decisions that we need to be making and to get to know people and to socialize with people and build relationships. So yeah, um, that's, that's kind of what's going on here, guys, is that it was just a matter of me not understanding how to talk to girls and how to relate to girls and stuff like that. So um, again, I shared my story because I think it's important to share for numerous reasons, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Um, but the main thing is I wanted to take ownership of my past behavior and apologize to women for the way that I've treated them and interacted with them and disrespected them 
by not understanding how to navigate being romantic with them without sexual behavior. So, or without, without appropriate sexual behaviors. So, um, I appreciate you taking time to listen to this podcast. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me and have a great day. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you.